Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of Mishra, and today the Gospel is from Luke chapter 5. And today we celebrate the call of Levi to become a disciple of the Lord. And as was customary, people at the, at the time of uh, Levi, they had a Hebrew name and a Greek name. So Levi was his Hebrew name, and Matthew, St. Matthew, was his Greek name. And this is the Gospel writer. And so, although we don't know for sure, his name, his Hebrew name, Levi, sort of indicates that he might have been from the tribe of Levi, which would give the impression that he was supposed to be a priest. He was supposed to be a righteous person. He was supposed to be a minister of God. But, you see that actually Levi lived a very different life. Actually, he lived as a tax collector. And as you know, tax collectors at that time were despised, they were wicked, they were corrupt, they were evil, they were thieves, they would steal. Even like St. John Chrysostom, he says that Levi was planning to rip off the other disciples of the Lord, the fishermen. He was the one that would collect all the taxes from the fishermen. So he was uh, like stealing from them. But what is so amazing is that how the Lord went and visited Matthew or Levi and made him a disciple. And I think this is a concept that, you know, is very, very beautiful for us to meditate on. The idea was that St. Matthew had this idea in his heart that he, I think he knew he should have been better. I think he knew he should have been better. He was called to be a priest, yet he is a tax collector. And so he knew his lifestyle was not compatible with what God had wanted for him. And I think the Lord knew this about St. Matthew. The Lord knew that St. Matthew is sitting here and unhappy about his current circumstance. And that's why the Lord went to go visit St. Matthew where? In his office. Actually, the Lord went to visit him in his office, in his place of sin. Oftentimes, the Lord would go and visit people in their place, like at the height of their sin. For instance, the adulterous woman, the Lord visited her at the time of judgment, when she was being condemned for, her, for, for doing adultery. St. Paul was visited when he was on the way to, to go murder. On the height of sin, the Lord steps in to go make and to save the sinners. And this is the beautiful lesson from the Gospel of today, that Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to save sinners. For instance, uh, we have an like, uh, icon here I just want to reference, is St. Justina and St. Cyprian. The, 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 the very end. St. Cyprian was a sinner. He was a sinner, but as you can see from the icon, he's dressed like a bishop. 
how the Lord takes sinners and transforms them to be bishops. We could say the same thing for St. Augustine and many of the saints of our church. St. John Chrysostom, he says something very well. He says, when Christ chose his personal apostles so to preach his gospel, he chose them from among the sinners who were the worst of all to show that he has not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. There's no pedigree for the righteous man. The righteous man does not come from a line of priests or, or as, you, you know, just by hereditary or genetics. No, it comes from genuine repentance and from genuine transformation from meeting the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord today, He came to give us a fresh start, a new beginning. And what I like about this story is that when the Lord came to visit St. Matthew, St. Matthew jumped on the opportunity to have a new start. And he did something very interesting. And, and he was, I, I want to talk about sort of the process of transformation for St. Matthew. The first thing that St. Matthew did in his transformation that I thought was very touching is that after the Lord had invited him to become a follower, St. Matthew actually invited him back and said, Lord, come and have, I'm going to prepare a great feast for you. A great feast. In Greek it's called Mega. It was a mega feast for the Lord. And at this feast, he invited all his friend tax collectors. I imagine that St. Matthew was thinking about, wow, I know I'm supposed to be this way, and I've always wanted to be this way, but I never got that. I never was accepted. I never was, and so now I, uh, I don't fit. I know I don't fit in, and I'm doing very evil. But when he had the chance to, to take this opportunity to restart, to have a new trend, he took it and invited all of his friends to come and experience the acceptance, the acceptance and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. This reminded me of uh, a passage in Revelation that says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right? Here's the Lord going to knock on the tax office of Levi. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Today we want to prepare a banquet. We want to prepare a big azuma in our hearts. Prepare the makarona best. Prepare the best meal. Prepare the best meal that you can have and invite the Lord into our hearts to come in. And we don't only want to have a banquet that lasts for a few hours and then after the banquet we're left with dishes and then the Lord leaves. No, we want the Lord to stay at our banquet. I was inspired by the story of the Shunammite woman and the story of Elisha. The Shunammite woman was, uh, lived in Shunam and Elisha used to pass by this place frequently. So the Shunammite woman said, because she recognized Elisha as a man of God, so she said to her husband, let's make a place in our house for the man of God to to live, to reside. 
And so every time Elisha was in the area, he would go and stay with this Shunammite woman. The same idea we should have is that we want the Lord to come and reside with us because if the Lord resides with us, His presence is transformative. Elisha transformed the life of the Shunammite woman. Did he not? By giving her a son. And he gave her a son and transformed the life of the Shunammite woman. If the Lord is living with us, He will transform the lives that we have. He can take us from here to there, from sin and darkness into the light. Another beautiful lesson that we learn from this gospel about the Lord's transformation, I'd say the second step of transformation after you have invited the Lord, is that you cannot go back to your old ways. Matthew was a tax collector, an even an evil, a, criminal, a thief, all of those things that you would ascribe to tax collectors. After the Lord met him and said, come and follow me, you can't go back to your former ways. Why? Why would you go back? Why? It's like someone who always eats at a five-star restaurant. Do they even have five stars? Four stars. Whatever. The best restaurant and then goes and wants to eat some, someplace cheap, like at a, at a gas station, in fast. And I'm used to eating the best. I can't go back and eat something very trivial. Anyone who was a slave that was set free would not go back and say, we want to be slaves, except if you are the nation of Israel. <laughs> and they used to say that all the time. What are we doing? We've been freed, let's go back. Why? Why would you go back? You've seen the glory of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord took you out of Egypt in miracles and wonders, and wants to take you to a land flowing, full of milk and honey, and the promised land. And you want to go back to slavery? You want to go back to bondage? You want to go back to your old ways? It doesn't work that way doesn't work that way. You cannot go back. Once you experience the love and, and the true love and acceptance of the Lord, you will not want to go back. You will not want to go back. That's why St. Peter says in his epistle, he says, For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. This is Second Peter chapter 2. But it, but it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a pig having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Why? Why, if you've been washed, would you return to the mud? Why does the dog return to its vomit? This is not feeling the true acceptance and love of God. Judas went back to his former way of life. His greed took hold of him. Be careful that you do not go back to your former... We are called on a new path, a new step forward. Do not look back to the past. Look forward. Be like St. Matthew and go forward on your apostleship. Be an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Number two, or the, maybe the third step of the transformation... He said, invite the Lord to your house and do not turn back. Three, you cannot do patchwork in, our, in your life. 
Christianity is not like, you know, the Boy Scouts, they have a vest, kira, and then they have patches. So we just put the Christian patch on our chest and we are Christian. It doesn't work like that. You cannot do patchwork on our life. In the Gospel it says, it says, No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. The idea is that you cannot, Christianity is not something like, you can't just come to church on Sunday and just say that this is like, I'm Christian. This is not the way of moving, this is not the way of transformation. It is also not the way of transformation in maybe the context of the, of the gospel. It's to apply the Old Testament rituals and rules of, and apply them to the New Testament. For instance, St. Paul, he says, he calls out St. Peter. St. Peter, for a portion, he was trying to put a new patch onto the old garment. And St. Paul would rebuke him for doing this. He said, but when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as a Jew, then why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by natures and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we try to apply rules, but we don't apply the, the, the essence of the message of... For instance, many parents could be very strict with their kids, but not applying true Christian principles. It's like it's taking a patch and putting it on old garment. Why? Why? It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. The third, um, I'm losing count, fourth, the fourth step in transformation is that transformation takes time. The spiritual life is a growing process. And the Pharisees at this banquet, they wanted to accelerate the process. And that's why they went to the Lord and said, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? Because if the, Jew, the, the Jews at the time, they had days of fasting in the week. So it's likely that this banquet, like you know how we, we have Wednesday and Friday fasting, they also had days of fasting. I think it was Monday and Thursday. And so they had days of fasting. And likely that this event happened on one of those fasting days. So they're seeing the Lord and they're eating and, and, and they must have been intrigued and said, Why are you not fasting? But the Lord protected His disciples. And this is something that I think we don't really appreciate. Is that actually the Lord knows that the spiritual life is a growing Process. It takes time. St. John Chrysostom says about this passage, he says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. St. John Chrysostom says about this passage that was in the Gospel today, he says, The disciples have not yet become strong. They still need a lot of help at a level they can understand. They have not been regenerated, 
by the Spirit. At this time, this is the beautiful part, pay attention. At this time, there is no need to dump on them a load of commandments while they are still in the learning period. Anyone who comes to the church, we're not going to say you have to do a hundred matanyas every day, to read the whole Agbaya every day, to fast Wednesday and Friday, to read the six chapters of the Bible every day. Be a big load on someone that would crush someone. But the Lord is there, He says, that He therefore proceeded gradually to set maximums and precepts for His disciples within the time of their step-by-step maturing, as they were better prepared to receive them. This was to teach them later to deal very gently with others. I wish we had that spirit, to deal gently with others, to take everyone at their spiritual level and try to push them to to the next one, one by one, gently. When the time would come that they would be taking the message to the whole world, the whole world, and receiving as disciples all sorts of persons. So the Lord was teaching the disciples, no, I'm here to pray. I will, you know, you don't need to fast now when I am with you. I am the bridegroom, but there will be a time to come when you will need to fast. That being said, we should use our time wisely. Just because the spiritual transformation, I said, is a gradual process and it takes time, means that we should use our time wisely. St. Paul says, I fed you with, with, with milk because you are not ready to accept solid food. means that you had the time to mature, but you didn't. That would be a failure. Not using the time, not redeeming the time would be not acceptable to God. Yes, He wants you to grow in the spiritual life slowly, but we have to use our time wisely. We cannot be despondent. We cannot be lazy. We were reading a book called Time and Despondency uh, recently, and it shared a beautiful concept that I'd like to share with you. It was talking about when Adam and Eve fell, the consequence of, of their sin is death. That Adam and Eve, they did not die. Actually, God gave them time. Why did God give them time? God gave them time for them to grow gradually in a relationship with Him. That means the time we have on earth here, the whole purpose of the time that we have on earth here, is it to have a nice job, to be married, to have a nice family, to... Yes, all those things are good. But what is the essence of the time here? The essence of time here is to build a relationship with God. That's why, actually, this, this was altering, like mind-altering, it was like an aha moment. It's like, how often we say we don't have time for God in our lives. But actually, we should say the converse about everything. We should say, we don't have time to work, I need more time for God. I need, I, I don't have time for school, I need more time for... It should be the other way around. Because our time on this earth is for... is for God, for a relationship of God. I wish we could switch 
our paradigm about time. Yes, our spiritual growth happens day by day slowly, but we have to use our time effectively. Then we will be transformed. Hmm? So we want to invite the Lord into our hearts. We want to have a nice banquet for the Lord. We want Him to reside in our hearts. We don't want to look back at our former ways. Those are in the past. We are looking forward. Right? We don't, we're not interested in patchwork. Not interested in just little patches of Christian. Our life is with Christian fabric. That our life is, 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 is the whole essence of Christianity, not just one day of the week. And we want to use our time wisely, and glory be to God forever. Amen. Jesus,